Hi guys, welcome back to Pure Lunacy. Thank you for joining me again. This is my wonderful friend Rick. Rick is a Dallasite. Um, he is founder CEO of Ash and Lime. Has a master's in urban planning. Uh, great mind, even better humor. Uh, clearly, he had me laughing right before we started. I did. So say hello, Rick. Introduce yourself to the world of Pure Lunacy. Uh, hi everybody, I'm Rick. <laughs> Proud to be here at Pure Lunacy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, I invited Rick because we always have interesting conversations. Oh, he's, he's social distancing in the office. <laughs> we always have interesting conversations about um, our communities, and you have a lot of experience when it comes to urban planning, creating uh, urban spaces and design, and uh, you're also somebody with great opinions when it comes to current events. Um, how how are you doing? How are things going for you in your realm of the world? Well, it, I think this is uh, a difficult time for everybody, certainly. Um, you know, I'm fortunate in the sense that it helps my morale because I know that um, I can do some things to help in this situation. Um, you know, we are uh, a small urban planning firm. We work on the, the downtown scale and the neighborhood scale. And, um, you know, a lot of the things that we've really been pushing for for a lot of time, for a long time, that we thought were good ideas for a long time, um, seem especially like good ideas now. In other words, for That's example, right. so, so, you know, the, the typical way that urban planning is done, for mm -hmm. example. Um, you kind of have a lot of times some plans that cost a lot of money. They don't really have a lot of meaningful input from people. They don't really have a lot of, of real on the ground experience behind them. And they have a lot of things that are, they, they kind of sit on the shelf because they're not really meant <laughs> to be implemented as right. soon as possible. Um, or a lot of the times when we look at economic development, um, you know, it's, there's kind of that saying about smokestack chasing where you're, you'll, you'll pay a lot of money for to try to get the factories or the warehouses to come in on the fringes of town, but the companies that are actually there, the, the small businesses, for example, don't get a lot of love. Um, right. Two months ago, that was a really bad policy, um, but now it's, it's even worse. You know, if you're ignoring all the small businesses that yeah. are going out of business, and focusing on trying to bribe somebody to come in for, you know, a, a dubious return on investment, it's a really bad idea. Um, and there's a lot of really good ideas that involve, you know, fine-grained focus on details that involve really trying to go on the ground and figure out what your next steps are, that involve figuring out how we can start having events that can keep the public as safe as possible how we can start engaging people. Uh, you know, I always thought it was a good idea to engage people in a lot of very small groups. Now it happens to be that it's, that the reality. it's, it's a reality and it's a, it's a public safety yeah. issue. So there's a lot of things that were good ideas before that are, are really good ideas now, um, right. more than ever. And, and I feel like we're in a good position to, to help with that. Um, you know, this is, it's, um, social distancing and, you know, certainly is, is hard for me personally, as I'm sure it is with a lot of people. I'm fortunate enough to have a little, you know, private office that I can go to. It used to be four people here, but, but now it's, um, you know, somewhere where, where I can go and that at least, that at least helps. Um, but it's, 
it's you know a difficult time for all of us, I think, and I'm just focused yeah. on figuring out how we can help communities. Um, we've I've retooled a lot of the way that I think about my business. That you know I'm I want to just yeah. a side note. You're 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 considered a small business owner. Yeah. Essentially, you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner. How is it affecting you and your business, and how are you like reimagining how you can move forward in your industry? Excuse me. Um, first of all, I'm very conscious when I when I cough now. Um, so <laughs> cough into your elbow, not into. I know. I, should, I know. I know. I should do that. I'll wash this hand. I promise. Um, well, it, it's you know, it, it's one of those things where we our most typical clients are either developers um, or cities. And there's a lot of cities that see right now that they need to do things differently. Um, budgets are smaller and it's hard to make a decision right now. Uh, so we have existing clients and we have a lot more that are in the pipeline, but it's just a slow process right now. Um, you know, we are able to be confident, I think, because we, you know, first of all, I've had a small business for a long time. You know, we have basically three employees plus myself, three or four, depending on how you're counting it, plus myself. Right. Um, and uh, we, um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We have really good relationships and I know how much value we bring to the table. Um, but it's still, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard time because you want to be able to have, you know, you want to be able to make sure that you have the client base. Um, one of the things I think that makes me feel better is because I really do not feel like I want a huge amount of clients right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like we, you know, we can't bite off everything. You know, you can't, you can't help everybody. One bite um, at a time. Yeah, you got to do one bite at a time. You know, that's, that's, that's how you eat an elephant, right? And, um, you know, Rome, Rome wasn't built in a day. That's something that we tell our clients. Um, because it's timeless wisdom. Um, you know, we, we're big advocates of this idea called incrementalism, which is, you know, just take one step at a time, figure out what the next thing you can do is. Um, and a lot of people, when they hear incrementalism, they hear, you know, small. They think of it as or just small, small things. Or too, or too yeah. yeah, even though it's... We live in a McDonald's world. We want everything yeah. now. But, but the saying Rome wasn't built in a day is very telling because you wouldn't have a Rome if you tried to build it all at once with a big gap. Exactly. It had to be, you know, there were, there was certainly uh, elements of grandiosity to say the least, but the foundation is one step at a time. Um, and that's how all of these things work. Um, and so we, we want to just work with a small number of communities that get it. We want to work with city leaders who understand that the, the way that they've been doing things isn't sustainable. And we want to just, you know, do do a good job with them. Um, you know, I we think, have, yeah. I think that I think that that's going to be key when it comes to Texas because right. what we've seen uh, in our communities is just exponential growth. A lot of people moving in, moving really fast, and nobody's taking the time to just take a step back and to just review and look and evaluate whether it's the correct path that we're taking. And yes, this, this coronavirus is a horrible thing, but it does provide, I think, a lot of opportunities for urban development, for urban planning to come in and to truly and incrementally uh, put in changes that will be of benefit for the community. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, I, I think we're, we're watching history before our eyes, not just in terms of a crisis, but in terms of, of an evolutionary period in our American communities. Right. So, I don't know. I, I, well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, it, it's, you know, it, it, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, that nobody predicted a, a pandemic, but I certainly... I certainly wasn't sitting around thinking, you know, gosh, a pandemic is probably going to come soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, what what's being revealed is really the the fragility of a lot of our systems, That's and true. that was apparent before, or or should have been. Um, to you know. to the people who were paying attention, I think. Yeah. Uh, to everyday person who's just looking to put food on their table or roof over their heads, it's not. Priority number one. Right. And, but, you know, you look at, I mean, the example of, of the way that, that, you know, we've had our cities operate. Um, you know, I gave the example of these, these economic development policies, mm -hmm. um, you know, and before we were, we were talking, I know that you have a connection, you know, the, to the, the Bishop Arts neighborhood yourself. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I lived near that neighborhood and it was very clear to me, for example, for a long time, um, that there were a lot of things that would not have been expensive in the big scheme of things that the city could have been doing. That would be a lot less expensive than kind of the subsidies that went, you know, to essentially the yeah. developments and things like that. And... The, it, the neighborhood has been caught flat-footed and without the basic resources it needs because you didn't have that. If this neighborhood had a Main Street manager and a social media budget and, you know, before certainly an event budget and some type of resources to, to coach small businesses, we would be probably barely skipping a beat right now. I mean, it would be pretty smooth preparation to reopen. Um, and I, I mean, yeah. I would say also, I think that we have a lot of different amenities in our cities that they don't necessarily connect. Um, so for example, small business assistance, why aren't they being connected to the small business development center? Um, right. That's right down the street or, you know, at Bill J. Priest. Um, why, why aren't we connecting the dots so that all the amenities we do have create a safety net so that when a crisis does come, we're we're ready. Right. And like like you know, we both has have said uh, nobody was really prepared right. or ready to for what we have now. Right. And and you know, being prepared for an emergency is also being prepared for for minor curveballs in life. So usually the mm -hmm. things that prepare you for an emergency you know, prepare you for, for everything. Um, you know, if you have a, a very good, you know, a backpack, that's like a, a first aid kit, right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that can prepare you for, for something, you know, disastrous or apocalyptic, but you know what, yeah. you'll, you're going to need some Tylenol at some point. You might need some eyewash at some point. You might, yeah. there, there's a lot of things in that bag that you might need. And so the things that, that make sense that are a safety net for an emergency, it's just plain resilience. And, you know, we're seeing right now so many levels of unresilience. I mean, who would have thought that our supply chain 
couldn't fall apart. Could, couldn't, it's could, literally couldn't, falling couldn't apart. Produce, yeah, couldn't produce, um, you know, toilet paper in, in anything like a timely manner. I mean, that, that, okay, so you don't have it for a week. I mean, you think of it like, well, you know, you've got. You're going to have to go European and use bidets. Yeah, well, it, it's just, it's, um, it, it's just that we, you would think that we would be able to compensate. You would think that we'd be able to figure out how to get things manufactured and sent. And, you know, you don't have hand sanitizers. You're pushing two months that you can't yeah. purchase hand sanitizers. Or Lysol or I mean, Clorox. Yeah. And, and it's like we have, I mean, we have Walmart. But I will like say, minutes. I will say part of the problem is because of the fact that we've shipped the majority of our manufacturing overseas. Yeah. That's one of the biggest kinks in our whole system is that we used to have a foundation where even if we did have some manufacturing overseas, we had a safe, stable foundation of manufacturing and business here in America that if if the world went to hell, we could sustain ourselves. And right now we don't have that. And I think it's a big wake up call to American Americans that we need to bring some of that back. Even if it is, a, you know, a few more cents costlier, right. that's fine. We'll pay it because we know that the value long term is there, especially when there's a crisis. Well, and then sometimes resiliency is, is you know, can, can be the opposite, in, at least maybe not the opposite, but it's certainly you, you lose some efficiency when you have resiliency. You know, right. you have you have, you know, duplication of some things, you have redundancies. Um, and, you know, it may be that, that you know, purchasing everything from uh, countries like China might be very efficient if everything goes right. But if you have no backup, yeah, and, 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 and anybody could have anticipated that at some point something could go wrong. It's just mm -hmm. like when you have, you know, when you don't have uh, trains going between cities and, and everything is, is dependent upon highways, you know, what, like, let's say all of a sudden we get into an oil crisis. Like there's, there's a lot of different types of crises that we could get into. Um, this just happens to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it was very, you know, that there's nothing surprising to me about the fact that this system is very fragile. Um, and that, you know, my opinion, we have to build a new this this resiliency that we have to build has to be on a very local level. Absolutely, um, yeah. yes. Preach. <laughs> yes, yes. So you know that's I mean I I prefer to work on the you know generally speaking on the sort of the district like a downtown district neighborhood corridor scale. And and you've worked with a lot of small towns, not just big towns. You've worked with a lot of small towns, and I don't think that people realize the value of small towns and the value that they bring to a greater scale or a greater network within a, a state and how much they do contribute because a lot of people discredit, oh, it's a small town. Oh, they, they don't, they don't have anything. I don't know. I think that what we're going to see is a lot of people are going to be living out further from central cities and we're going to start to see the value come back into small towns to, that have a good, healthy central unit, and the community is definitely going to be coming back together to what we used to see, maybe even the I don't know, 60s, 50s uh, of America. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that this is going to create necessarily a, a long-term trend towards um, more decentralization of our cities. You think so? I think there's going to be. I think there will. I think there's going to be a like influx or a deflux of people out of like big cities, especially like New York, Los Angeles, like big cities where there was like very tight crunch. I think you're going to start to see families just kind of leave. They're going to be like, I need air. Right. Well, so, so I think, I mean, I think that the, the city, I think that the city most affected by this long-term is going to be New York. Yeah. Um, but I could also remind you, New York has been through multiple major crises, um, you know, in, in recent decades. Um, I, I think any reasonable person might have thought after September 11th that, that New York would, would be, um, would go in a very negative direction. Um, they also were the apex of the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. Uh, they also almost went bankrupt back in the 70s. Um, but Led to so, the New York of the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's... I, I think that that's it's different, and I think that there are some specific dynamics there, and that's mm-hmm. a place that got that got very hit. Um, certainly, other places where you're under very cramped conditions. I mean, if if you're in, you know, San Francisco San right Francisco, now, even though yeah. it didn't hit very hard, you're probably, you know, there's a lot of people who are probably like, maybe I don't like paying, you know, three thousand dollars a month to have two roommates who I who I, I'm stuck with to live in a closet. For several months. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, even Having spent more than half my life in Chicago, um, which is not as expensive a place as those cities, it's it's you know it's probably not as as intolerable even there. So I think but I think, it is cold. Uh, but I mean I, I think that yes, there's a handful of cities that are aberrations. There are some people who are going to re- respond in a certain way to this. And and by the way, we we don't. I mean we're we're still. We're still uh, earlier in the marathon than everybody would like to think. I, I think that we are. So yeah. who knows? Who I knows? I still think this? that there's going to be a second wave in the fall. Like yeah, it, things are going to slow down. Summer, we're going to have time to enjoy a little bit of sun and then get back inside. I, I yeah I I, I will we'll see. I'm not. I haven't. I, there, there's enough about this that I don't understand that I'm not necessarily going to really predict what exactly is is the, the trajectory of this virus mm-hmm. um there's a lot about it that doesn't i, I, I it's just beyond my ability to assess or analyze um mm-hmm. and i choose to spend more of my energy on um the part about helping communities um recover from this uh than, than trying to figure the disease out itself but because uh, I don't, I don't. Well, let the scientists I, do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, and and I'm not necessarily, um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that that the, I mean, I, I think that that there's a certain level to which it's, you know, any anybody wants to participate in our democracy needs to try to have some understanding of it. Um, I don't think that that's something that that can be handed off to scientists, and I don't think this is a decision that that just the scientists should make. But I just, and I've tried to give it an honest look. It's just that the, the data doesn't come through Quarreling. to me the way that I, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, I mean, as of, it's all as, over the place. That's as of a week ago, as of a week ago, um, 
or so, or 10 days ago, I don't know what it is now, but Taiwan had, had 10 cases, like 10 deaths. Like that doesn't, that, nobody's given me an explanation for that. Um, you know, new, in New York and Manhattan itself, um, the most cases per capita are in Queens, which is the fourth densest borough. I mean, it, 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 I, it, yeah, so. I just don't feel like we're getting the whole truth and nothing but the truth when it comes to the data that's being put out there from other countries and even our own. Um, I think that, and I don't know if it's because we lack the data, if it's because we're just pushing out what we have right now and what we have right now hasn't been adequately reviewed and peer reviewed and ensured that it is correct data. Um, I just think that we're just getting like almost like word vomit sort of information when it comes to data and information that I just kind of take it, you know, as it comes. And I, you can't, you, you almost can't take it as the cold hard truth, but you can't deny it either. You have to just take it for what it is. Right. And, and keep moving along. <laughs> right. No, and, and you know, and I, and I don't think, and I, I, you know, I have a great deal of frustration in the fact that I, I think that we're not, you know, that, that people are very resistant to having any conversations about this, especially, you know, I've, I've said yeah. things where I've said, like, I, I, and I know, like, this is, this is probably exactly what I deserve for getting into a discussion on Facebook. But, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did a discussion on Facebook where I said, like, six times, like, basically, we don't know what's going to happen here. And, and just had someone respond to me, like, you just have this ideology because you want to, you know, you want to go out and do whatever you want and don't care about the, I'm like, I just, I just said, I don't That's, know. Yeah. I just I, said, I don't know. And I said that, that there's, there's various possibilities. I mean, I don't think, I don't think we can protect this, project this or predict this, I should say. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, it's, it's something, it's something that I look at, but I feel like, um, nobody is going to look to me for, for, you know, advice on how we handle this medically, but places will look to me for advice on, uh, and, and, and pay me for advice, right? On, on what our strategy <laughs> is to, um, to actually, to actually get through this. Yeah. So, you know, what I, what I've focused on is a thinking of, of what type of resources these businesses need, you know, and not mm-hmm. only the mom and pops, which pull way past their weight in terms of the social, cultural, and economic value that they create, um, but but even bigger than that. And the second thing that I'm really focused on is how can we think of all of these elements of planning while maintaining social distancing, right? And 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 how can we think of a spectrum of it? Because yeah. social distancing is not it's not binary. It's it's a it's a spectrum. So what I'm helping, you know, my clients do is actually mm-hmm. plan for events that give future flexibility and, and, and that and that include a lot of people into it, that include a variety of people into it right. in at least some manner. So, you know, because you start to think, okay, if somebody has major immune issues or, you know, people who are over a certain age, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are going to say, I'm not leaving my house until this is, is over. And Um, I don't think it'll ever be over really. 
Well, there's, there's, you know, they may create a vaccine, but I mean, yeah, it's out there. Look yeah, the virus I mean, it's, is out there. It's out there. It's 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 out there. Um, you know, there there may be a vaccine. Um, you know, it also may this this may kind of. Um, I mean, I I don't know exactly what's possible, but but I but I certainly think that the virus will still exist. It's just a matter yes. of of you know Mitigating how it. how dangerous it's going to be. Right. Um, and so to me, you know, what I start to think about because we're we're having a lot of talk about reopening the economy where and how you do that safely what and, we're... I, and and I'll, I'll pause real quick and i think yeah. that there's a lot of people who react the same way like the commenter for you reacted whenever we say reopen the economy and they feel like it's an affront to the health and the safety of everyone to even discuss the topic but i think that it's necessary to have the conversation to at least, you know, attempt to resolve this big issue that's affecting literally every single person's life right now as we speak. I mean, you yeah. can't not have the conversation and yeah. resolve it. Well, I mean, I, I think I think that that at best, if if somebody is really doesn't think that we need to have um, a meaningful conversation about the economy now. Uh, they're they're either not really thinking through it, or they're coming from an extraordinary position of privilege. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've had a face to face conversation with somebody who was saying like, you know, well, this is only money, and it's like, what do you think is going to happen if people don't have money for six months? And it's like, well, they can, you know, they'll be able to make money later. It's like, no, no, you, no. you you don't, you don't, you're, you're not going to be able to, you to feed your table? kid, you know. You, you How do you have a roof over yeah. your head? Yeah. How do you, like. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, obviously we have to think about the, yeah. the economy. Um, and, and, you know, and we have to think about how we can do it as safely as possible. Um, and, you know, we have almost, a, a, we have almost this ideological divide where we're having conversations as if there's one group of people who are, who are concerned about, you know, human health and safety and another who's concerned about the, the economy. And, and obviously but I think it's important economy. to note that one does not cancel the other. No, you no. can have concern for health and safety and you can have concern for the economy and people's jobs and they can, they can correlate. Right. They are they are adjacent to each other. You one does not negate the other. Of course, and and you know there's there's I mean, and 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 you know there's always like we we have to figure out balances, and we also have to you know we have to be open to to different types of policies, and you know and just it, it, there's there's not a lot of easy answers. Yeah. There's not a lot of insurance that what we're doing is is the right one you know it's like we don't we don't know if what we're doing is right we're just trying to figure out how to do our best and how to make this as, as sustainable as possible but now to my to my perspective if if we think about you know kind of the the pyramid of human needs right uh you know maslow's hierarchy and yeah. on the very bottom is your is is you know your basic like survival so you know, and, and that's coming out not only, you know, you, you don't want to get sick of a disease that might kill you, but there's also people who, you know, they don't know, they don't have food security right now. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. 
And that's one set of concerns. And if you go above that, you have kind of your larger security concerns. So am I going to be able to pay my rent? Am I going to be able to have a job? Am I, is this going to wind me out? Um, but as you kind of go up that pyramid, you have these, these social concerns. You have the need to connect. And that's very important, especially. Mental health. Yeah, your mental health. And, and, you know, you have, I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing phenomena like massive increases in overdoses right now. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't seen an increase in suicides, um, fortunately. Um, but, you know, there, domestic there may abuse, be child certainly abuse. domestic abuse, certainly child abuse, certainly depression, mm -hmm. um, certainly obesity, certainly alcoholism. Um, and, and, you know, you're, so you're seeing a lot of very negative things and this is, this, um, crisis is hitting all up and down this pyramid, yeah. you know, so, so, and that's getting missed because we're dealing with the bottom two rungs of the pyramid, which are most urgent. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're not thinking a lot about, Hey, what happens to somebody if they're, if they don't have, you know, contact with another human being for three months. And I think it's important to also put in the fact that in our society, having human contact is part of our norm and it's part of our needed daily dosage of communication interaction. I mean, if, if we're talking to somebody who lives out in the boonies in Alaska, not having no human contact, they're good with it. They're talking to the wolves right. and, and they're fine. But um, in today's modern setting, having that human contact is, is a big factor of a healthy uh, um, setting, a healthy society, a healthy life. And to negate that, I think, is going to be a big factor in, in people's mental health and, and how people interact after this. Well, and there, I don't think I don't think there's a whole lot of people in any culture who who don't need other human contact. I mean, there's some. Oh, Siberia. Yeah, I mean, and and but even you know, even people generally who live in in Siberia, I mean, they mm -hmm. they, they I, have I, a small I, little. Yeah, the small community. group. I mean, it, I think it's very rare. There, there's people who are loners, but it's yeah. it's very rare that someone no matter how introverted they are, is going to, to not need to have direct human contact for months. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and, and so, so to me, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about, okay, so how do we think about public space now? And not with one, there's not one answer. There's a multitude of yes. answers. There's a range of possibilities. There's a range of possibilities. What if we get tighter? What if we get loosened? And then there's a range of, of people. So right. you have you have some people who um, are, are, are going to be who you're probably going to have to try to slow their role, who are going to disrespect the, the rules of decorum. Um, you have people on the other side of the spectrum who maybe not even out of necessity, um, but out of choice, are going to, to deeply isolate themselves. Become and mm -hmm. what did you say? Become recluse become reclusive and and so how do you how do you involve all of them and you know we we have one of the things that this country is, has been way ahead of most of the world in, way way ahead is disability laws um you know the the Ameri the americans with disability act was passed in 1990 
my whole life, I assumed, well, probably in Canada and in Europe, they, you know, or in Australia, they, I think in Australia they did, but you, I assumed that other Western countries probably passed something similar, you know, just before or just after. I mean, a lot of them still haven't. We're, we're way ahead. And th that's a lot of credit to us because we as a society decided that we wanted to, that we wanted to include, you know, be able to include somebody who might be in a, a wheelchair or, or something like that. Um, I mean, it would, it would be nice if we had the same regard for people who might not be able to drive a car, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, Uber? Yeah, yeah, I think it's just like an Uber. <laughs> that's probably um, Hobson right now, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, uh, but we, um, uh, but, you know, now we're facing a situation where, um, you know, if, if people are even above a certain age, even if they're perfectly healthy, that becomes a de facto disability right now. Yeah. You know, if you're, if, if you're 75, no matter how healthy you are, you basically have a disability right now for all intents and purposes, because mm -hmm. you can't really comfortably be around other people. So how do we think about that? How do we, how do we do meaningful work that, that symbolizes hope? How do we, how do we start to not only support businesses, but maybe reincubate businesses? And how do we do that safely? And, you know, one of the, one of the things I think that we need to think about, um, so we're kind of creating this, this spectrum of physical distancing instead of thinking of it as social distancing. Um, we actually just, just published something about it on the website. We're about to, to, to send it out. Ashline.com. Yeah, Ashline. 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 Uh, and those are those are the ingredients of Roman concrete. But when I when I want to make sure people understand what I'm saying, I just say ash like the ash of a cigarette, lime like the fruit, um, ashlime.com. Um, but really, those are, are simple ingredients. That's how they made Roman concrete. These are very simple ingredients that have t stood the test of time in creating lasting places. So that's that's the name of the. And Colorado. that's what we're trying to do now. That's what we're trying to do, and and it's this is. This is timeless stuff. Yes. This is timeless stuff. We, we don't have any wisdom better than this. If I, if I, if I could, could do enough homework to educate myself enough to be smarter than the things that we've been doing for 7,000 years, I, I promise I would. I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> you know, You're pretty smart, though. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm not a dummy, but I'm not smarter than 7,000 years of, of uh, accrued wisdom made through trial and error um but uh so so we're you know these are these are timeless things that we are not smarter than and we even in our richest of times we've never been so wealthy that we could ignore it there's a lot of of billion dollar-ish stadiums and investments where we said if you know, surely if we pour a billion dollars into this, we're going to have a place that people love. And when we didn't focus on those principles, what we created was a place that people hate. Go hang out outside a typical convention center that the city spent hundreds of millions of dollars in at night. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a worse place. And it's, a worse, it's a worse place than what they had before. It's worse than yeah. what they tore down. I mean, it, it creates some value for the city, but it's certainly, unless they paid attention to the fine grained details of the human experience, it's, it's not going to create a good experience. I, you know, we, my our office in Dallas, downtown Dallas, is on Market and Commerce Street. Okay, mm -hmm. we're a few blocks away 
from the big fancy Omni Hotel that's you know that owned by the city and and things like that, right? And it's like, oh, we're gonna have this big convention center, we're gonna have this big Omni Hotel. It'll help to support the downtown. Okay. Nobody who doesn't know what they're doing, right? Especially anybody who might feel vulnerable walking around a city at night is going to walk from the Omni Hotel to the Main Street District or to the West End District. There's no way it's going to happen. Not, not where it's located. Dark, it's foreboding, and not where it's located and not where nobody has stopped and thought, how is someone going to feel? And empathize, you know, don't, don't empathize with yourself. Mm-hmm. Empathize, empathize with the, the cheerleader moms and their young cheerleader daughters who are going to an event and are, are leaving and walking around this downtown. You have to create a place That's for fair. them. There, there, there's, no, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way anybody who does it, and it's not that it's dangerous, but at least not well. I'm, I'm, I'm a but fly- even if it wasn't dangerous, it's, it's empty. There's not much to do late at not later at night not late and you've got to yeah you've got to connect and and actually actually i was going to qualify that by saying and and this is about empathy like there's not there's not not it's not dangerous if you're a 511 guy who's lived in big cities pretty much your whole life right but it is for you know it like it is for other people probably you know if you're if, if you're five foot one and wearing high heels you're, you're act, you might rationally be concerned about your safety walking around there. Yeah. Um, uh, so that, that's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a lack of attention to detail and no amount of money is ever going to compensate. We've proven that. We've proven that the, the places that we tend to love are places that are our ancestors who were penniless and illiterate built you know these towns these people built these towns nothing but they had a set of principles that if we would have the humility to learn from them um to the extent that we do we can still create these these great places i mean i I would argue that all of the places that have been revitalized here in dfw started by those groups of people who are the illiterate or who weren't the rich and it just started at a grassroots level and it just na- naturally morphed into something that was revitalized that um, had value that people wanted to go and visit. It wasn't because somebody dropped a million, billion dollars somewhere and boom, everybody come. Uh, it, it took time. It took effort. But most of all, I think, like what you said, it had the principles that have the, the character. Right. Well, well, you know, I mean, and when you're, you know, I mean, I think that that, you know, these places where where you're talking about, you know, we'll use we'll use examples in, in Dallas, such as, you know, Lower Greenville or, or Deep Ellum or Bishop Arch or places like that. I mean, where where these places were originally built, according to these principles, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and you have places I mean, it's. It can be more complicated that you have a place like Uptown that was essentially, you know, that that was built that way, but was essentially largely, if not entirely, wiped clean, or at least in parts of it were, were wiped clean. Right. Um, but but even then, the things that work 
are either intentionally or subconsciously part of these principles. And there's, there's an attention to detail. So one of the examples that I'm fascinated with, I've probably talked about it on this podcast. So, um, and, and some other episode, but maybe I haven't, um, <laughs> Fort Worth, yeah. Sundance square. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you're, you're pretty familiar with Sundance square. Yes. Or, I'm a Texan. How okay. dare I not be? I, yeah, you know, on this side of the Metroplex, you'd be surprised. I started in this region in Fort Worth, and I was working for the city yep. and, and lived downtown. So yep. I have it, uh, and I've done intimate knowledge. Yeah, I have an intimate. I have, I have intimate knowledge. knowledge. I live. I live in Rockwell. I live out east. So I know. I know. <laughs> I won't give you a hard time. Um, you hush. I love my town. Okay. You, you actually, don't mess with Texas and don't mess actually, with actually, town. Actually, you have a very um, a very good attention to detail that's been put into your downtown. You, you all have yes. done a good job. Yeah, we've, we've invested and we've had – and it's because of the community members. I will say that. Rockwall, downtown Rockwall, when I was a kid, um, was not what it is today. And it is what it is because people gave – freely um they donated their time and they worked hard to make it what it is so no it, it's it's they, they've done they've done a great job there it's it's one of those it's it, it's one of those places like most places i can go and um just because i've trained myself for this and i can be like okay here's the 20 things that you could do like right like i can just see it instantly and, you know, I'm not saying I don't see opportunities there, but I have to dig much more, which means, you know, you do have a good Main Street manager there, but it means yes, that. Bethany Browning. Yes. Yeah. I was, on, I was on the board. I was on the Main Street. Okay. Uh, All right. Advisory board. So. Okay. When we talk right. Main Street, uh, you know, very close to heart. <laughs> that's good. That's, yeah. that's good. No, I, I mean, but it, but it's, it's, you know, when you have someone who's good uh, and there's enough persistence the things that are the most obvious get done and a lot most cities do not do the things that are the most obvious which is part of the reason why they're in a lot of trouble because they say well we'll wait to have a plan well, no it's like well you can no. do these things now and you can't you can't wait you just you need to take action you need to do a plan you need to know why you're doing things it's you know it's a, it's it can be spinning your wheels and it can hurt people's morale if you take action randomly but know what your objectives are and and, you know, rather than do the one thing that's going to make a 30% difference, start with the 30 things that can make a 1% difference. And, and I will say that, that Rockwell has, has certainly done that to, to my opinion. Um, yeah. Uh, look at you. You're so excited that I coupled. I love Rockwell. I, know, I love Rockwell. Um, um, but, okay, but Fort Worth, I love this story. So, you know the the Sundance Square area for the listeners who are not who are not familiar with Fort Worth. Um, before I you know came into this region, I imagined that there was a, a river somewhere, and and on one side of it is Dallas, and the other side is is Fort Worth, and it's it's <laughs> more akin to a 32 mile gulf. Um, there's about 32 miles between the two cities, um, and they have definitely very different characters. Um, you know, Fort Worth calls itself where the West begins and, and it's, you know, cow town and, and proud of it. Um, you know, a person wearing a cowboy hat would look, unless they can really pull it off, they'd look a little bit silly in Dallas, but in, in Fort Worth, they really wouldn't. It's, it's much more of a Western town. It's much more of a, a, a cowboy town. Um, and it's certainly somewhere that, that prides itself in having a very independent character. 
um, and uh, and prides itself on not being Dallas. Um, so okay, we get it. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> what? I'm in Dallas. I, I'm just trying to. Is that? Is that? Am I saying too much? Funky town in D town. I'm just trying to give. Rivalry. I'm giving the listeners a context. <laughs> I don't need to be getting a hard time from you for doing uh, that. They don't know. They don't have. Clearly, clearly the listeners know what side I lay on. I love Funky Town though. Like if anybody ever comes to Texas and starts talking about any of our towns, we're gonna have a problem. So. Okay, so this is like a sibling. Yes. This is like, see, I used to work for the city, so I have to, and, and there's, there's misconceptions about Fort Worth on this side of the Metroplex, so I have to give, I have to give listeners. <laughs> um, I, and they have, they have this, you know, they're, they're downtown, our downtown in Dallas has several pockets of, of activity and assets. Um, their downtown, pretty much you have Sundance Square, and then you have a corridor that runs from it, um, but it's very, very high quality. It's, it's very, very high quality. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, I, I wrote out at one point on a Saturday night, I came up with a list of 20 things you could do on a Saturday night mm-hmm. in, in downtown Fort Worth. And, you know, you can go, you can get a, a fancy meal, you can get, a, um, you know, a, a cocktail, you can get wine, there's like, yeah. you know, there's theaters, there's, there's all, I won't go through there's the options. entire list of things. There's options. Then you lose patience with me. But but there's there's because lots you better treat Dallas the same way. Give the twenty things you can do in Dallas. I can look if if if, if you were I'm not in Fort Worth. I can talk about Dallas. Let me, <laughs> keep let going. Me, keep going. With let me go on Fort I'm Worth. I can I, I can talk encyclopedically on Dallas if if that's what if that's what you oh need me to do. I'm rolling my eyes at you like this. All right. So that 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 being the case, um, you know, the, there's. And, and essentially, Sundance Square is owned by the Bass Brothers, who are, you know, literal multi-billionaires. Um, and they've been fixing everything Bass up since, since the 80s. What did you say? Bass Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bass Hall, which is right downtown and was a, mm-hmm. a, a great, a great kind. I won't talk about the acoustics of Bass Hall because then you'll, you'll be like, well, why do you say anything about Dallas? They have a great Look, time. we have the symphony, we have Winspear Opera. We have the largest, we have the largest arts district in the country. We have the largest daily operating farmer's market. Keep going, keep downtown. going. What'd you say? Go, go ahead. Okay, am, I, am I allowed to speak about Fort Worth? Okay, good. Yes. Um, so, you know, the, the fascinating thing to me is that a lot of people are, are like, well, yeah, Fort Worth, you have a couple of billionaires who bought everything, so it's easy for you to succeed. Well, go around the country to places where billionaires or big corporations mm-hmm. bought large chunks of the downtown in the 80s or in the 70s. Those places are wastelands. Those places are horrible. Chicago, they, Detroit. You, you look at, you look at in, in Detroit – the, the, well, 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 let's let's talk specifically. They have a whole, you know, complex that basically GM and Ford tore down part of Detroit and and built this whole complex that was basically meant to keep people out with very few entrances. It's the only part of downtown Detroit that isn't revitalizing, right? So it's like you you pouring money into it without knowing what you're doing and without paying attention to details is counterproductive. It's yeah. destructive. What the Bass Brothers did that was different than everybody else 
was they said basically we're gonna walk we're gonna think about walking around these blocks we're gonna go around the perimeter of a block and what we want to do is when you walk around one block both sides are going to be vibrant it's going to be active every inch of it is going to be active they had a ton of money that helps but it doesn't help if you don't have wisdom and what they did was they focused on this very incremental approach which is not a story that's being told they focused on this very incremental approach that was you know building by building storefront by storefront fix up the facades bring it back to its former glory it's you know all of these retail spaces are well programmed right and is curated if you talk to, to um uh johnny campbell um mm -hmm. I, I think he's still the, the, the who runs um, Sundance Grant, right? Um, what he says is, you know, we make money off of our retail and restaurants, but if we had to charge no rent for that, we would do that. Because without our retail, without our restaurants, without this, you know, these aren't necessarily small businesses, but without the businesses, right. some of which are small, some of which are curated that line the storefront, none of our offices and none of our residential units would have value, would, would have value. So, so when you have something that's centrally curated for the good of the whole, and you have kind of, this is a this is a place management system right. that they have in place, and but it, it's it is dealt with on this very micro scale, this very fine grained scale, and that's why it's been successful. Successful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you have when you have money and you have actual curation, when those yeah. two are combined. And, you know, if, if you look at it, ultimately, um, you know, downtown Dallas has in every way pretty much more assets than downtown Fort Worth. Um, any, any, you know, in terms of. We just of, need to take it one bite at a time. We just well, need we to take need, it one step at a time. I mean, in the case, in the case of Fort Worth, I was involved with the, with the, with the Fort Worth, gosh, it was the Fort Worth 2023 plan back in 2013. We're closer. We're well closer to 2023 than we're. Yeah. The time goes fast. But, you know, it, it looking at Fort Worth, it has a very vibrant, you know, the, the two areas that are technically considered the downtown are, are both about a square mile. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at Fort Worth, they have a very, very vibrant core. The, and the goal is to expand it. And they've been they've right. been doing that. In the case of Dallas, here's my fancy downtown Dallas. Map right here. Here it is. In the case of in the case of you, Dallas, would, you would have the map. Yeah, yeah. Uh, downtown Dallas Inc. Uh, Doug Prude over there gave me that map when we were at a we were at a Congress for the New Urbanism North Texas board meeting. Um, but this, uh, if, you know, if I uh, wanted to play Vanna and, and point things out, um, you know, the difference is that that you have several pockets of activity that need to be better connected with each other. So, Absolutely. so I think it's a different dynamic, but if you, if you look at what is in or near downtown Dallas, yeah. if you look at all of the ingredients, you know, you've got, you've got all of the ingredients of, of a very, very, very fine dish and we're starting and we're starting to put them together. And these are just, you know, these are matters of what can be fairly modest um, connections, but I mean, you right. have you have the West End Historic District, which includes the JFK site, um, which includes new museums, um, uh, the, the JFK site and, and the Holocaust Museum together would be a pretty sobering trip. But you also have uh, not that it's not an important trip, but you also have the Museum of Illusions and several restaurants. Right. There's a new park that's coming. Um, Big you red. Have, 
What'd you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big, I, you know what? I, I almost I almost forgot to even bring that up. You have um, uh, you're so sorry. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you think about uh, Clyde Warren Park. This is one of the most successful large public spaces in in the country. But it's not, you know, in, in, and it's right next to this arts district. Um, you're you're right next to Deep Ellum. You have, of course, the Main Street district. Um, you have you know the specific plaza which has come out, which is which is very successful. You have the largest daily farmers market in the country. Um, you're right next to the Deep Ellum neighborhood. You're right next to the Uptown neighborhood. You have now we just need to connect it with the Cedars. Make yeah. it walkable. Yeah. Have some public transit that's actually functioning and well kept. And bada bing, bada boom. It's like yeah, fix that West End station area. We've got yeah. to address. We've got to address the issues there. I mean. There's a lot of work to do, but you know, I, I think that the right ideas are being pursued, and I think and I think it's it's being done. And that that's not something I would have always said, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I I I have to admit that it's being done now, and I have to admit that a lot of the, you know, I see a lot of the right steps, you right. know, over the last few years really being done very aggressively. Um, so you know, we there's we, hope. There is, there is hope, there is hope. And, you know, even so, so there's, there's four parks coming up. Um, you know, we have, we had this Pacific Plaza, um, which I will admit, I, I would have, I thought there was at least as good of a chance as, that it wouldn't work as, as it would. That's how, how skeptical I am, but it, it did. <laughs> I mean, but if you, if you look at, at Clyde Warren Park, I mean, I don't think anybody knew how successful Clyde Warren Park would be. But that also shows how much people value and want open space. They do want green. Right. They do want walkable. They do they want it. And right. if we if we provide it and if we plan it out and put it in the right location, people will come. I thought I thought the the lesson from Clyde Warren Park is that we should have deck parks everywhere in the city. Oh Lord! No, that's some. That's what some people got out of it. We need more deck parks. No, let's not do that. that's not that's the not, point. That's um, a little too much. But but there but 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 here's here's the real here's the real or one of the real lessons. Um, you know, Clyde Warren Park um, was a very expensive enterprise. For people who aren't familiar with it, you know, they basically covered part of a highway, decked a highway, and made this into this park that's mm -hmm. been very successful. Um, and you know, sometimes people have come to me and said, see, like these, these big, huge investments can work. And, and they certainly can. Um, and we yeah. see in the case of Clyde Warren Park, it certainly did. But let me, Fair let me Park say my, was a huge investment. Well, let me, let me, if I may, let me, if I may say my, say my piece. And then we can, we can talk about Fair Park all day if we want. Um, but, but um, uh, I, I spent, you may know that I spent a lot of time on Fair Park. So, um, uh, but. I did too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's right. You did. We're gonna compare uh, notes. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you were you were part of the team that uh, for uh, yeah, UTA. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Saying. We can we can compare we can compare notes. This is good. Yeah. Um, but, That'll be our next conversation. Yes. Yeah. We both. So we both we both were hired by the same organization and, and both were independently involved in proposals to shrink the footprint of the state fair of Texas. Is 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 essentially um, by hired by the same person. Um, so, um, okay, where were we? Oh, so, so here's the thing is, is it's also true that there's about 15 things to do yeah. at Clyde Warren Park. 
you've got stuff for children, you've got stuff to read, you've got games, you can take out, you can play ping pong, you have concerts, you can borrow a chess set or a checker set. Without that, I don't think the whole thing would have worked. I think you would have just basically had a, a, an empty, and you have the food trucks and things like that. So yes, the big investments can work, certainly. I have yet to see a big investment that's worked in the absence of attention to detail and the absence of, of, you know, if you're going to do the, the going back to the one thing that makes a 30% difference, doing the 30 things that make 1% difference can work on their own in isolation, doing the one thing that makes a 30% difference, but only doing that is not going to work. It's not going to help you to, to create great places. So you have to pay attention in my opinion to detail and and that especially now especially now it's always been true but you have a situation now i mean city cities do not they're not going to have the budget to do this and they have really important things to do they really you know they they're going to have some very basic needs to be taken care of i mean we're people are going to get evicted from their houses people are going to have food insecurity issues people are going to have people are going to have long-term employment challenges if they happen to be graduating at the wrong time it's going to affect them for a long long time um cities are going to have things to do and if the answer is the status quo this is this is this is not going to work and and the councils are going to see this yeah um the citizens are going to see this like it's it's you know, I used to always say, imagine your your favorite downtown or your favorite neighborhood, but take away eight of the ten best businesses, right? Like yeah. it, it, w- it would it would be death, even it's five. Death. Now Suicide. you're going to see that, and yeah. you're going to see places that have spent millions and millions of dollars on their downtown, but have decided that that was a substitute for yeah, yeah wiped out because their small businesses are wiped out. Yeah, and and. That's going to be obvious to a lot of people. I mean, if, if they're pursuing the status quo and ignoring these blatantly obvious things, mm-hmm. I think that even the citizens will, will see this. Um, and, you know, to me, it's like on, on our, our podcast recently, um, we were talking to uh, this economic development consultant, Emily Brown, mm-hmm. uh, based out of, of Pittsburgh. She's like about the integration of economic development and placemaking and incremental development and all that sort of stuff. Um, and um, she was, um, uh, oh shoot, I lost my thread. I forget exactly where it was. I lost my thread. You're fine. It's okay because I think our time is wrapping up too. So okay. what we'll do is this. Keep it in mind and we're going to discuss, we're going to have another get together. We're going to have another episode after this one we're going to discuss spare park and we're going to discuss miss browning and we're going to go in okay we'll have, we'll have i i have i have no idea why my brain just froze i think i realized <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm over you know I, I, one, of, one of the things i think is that it's probably fundamentally unnatural to uh, to be especially productive during a pandemic right which is which is i think we're seeing kind of, that now yeah yeah so it's it's just it's i'm, I'm just I'm Thank just you dead. for joining me, though. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yes. Good stuff. We'll have, so a separate, good. we'll have a separate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
Um, we'll we'll have a separate conversation it. about about Fair Park and that's going to be a good one. When when you're when you unleash your thesis upon the world, we'll have to have a podcast discussion. On my dissertation. <laughs> yeah, on your on your dissertation. I think your dissertation might actually be one of the rare ones that people actually read. Oh Lord, please let's not. I'm I'm scared of that now because you know. What people read, they like to critique, and I don't know if I can handle all the critique after really? suffering seven years. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, but I, I, so I think you'll have a thick skin about it. All right, thank yeah. you.